the murder mystery podcast. The story unfolds each week. Will you guess the killer? On the murder mystery podcast, it's The Venetian Affair. Episode 3 The Santi Giovanni and Paolo Hospital is a vibrant combination of stately home and modern efficiency. Olivia walks into the ward where Malin Reed has been resting since last night after being brought by water ambulance along the canals in the darkness. A nurse indicates the right bed and Olivia approaches a large man sitting in a chair next to an open window, hunched over an open art portfolio. He has a mop of grey hair in a ponytail, long, beautiful fingers and a bandage around his head. Mr. Reed? He looks up. I'm Olivia Street. I work for Paddy. Too early for the old bugger, is it? How are you? She says. My bloody leg hurts. And how's your head? Fine, says Malin. Did they catch him? I don't know. I haven't spoken to the police. She can tell this man wants to tell his story to her. So she lets him. He tells her about the journey in too much detail. The delays at Paris and getting lost in Turin station. She's more interested to know if the man who attacked him was on the train with him on the journey. But Malin doesn't know. What was stolen? She asks out of the blue to test his reaction. Nothing of importance, he says without eye contact. That's good. I'd still like to get it back, though. What was it, exactly? She says. Paperwork about some pieces of art that I'm selling. Do you use the same agent as Paddy? She says. Signore Torito, isn't it? That name causes a ripple in the pond of his calm manner. And he stops for a second, and is lost for words. Only at that point does Olivia realise that his old, damaged artist act is a pretense. He does it very well, and has probably been acting that character for years. Never heard of him. He lies badly, she notices. She shifts gear and talks about when he will get out. Malin seems to have little idea about what the doctor has said, so Olivia goes to find someone medical, who tells her that Signore Reed will be released later today, but he will be prescribed morphine tablets for his leg. She confirms to Malin what is happening. Then she says her goodbyes, leaves the hospital, and walks back through the side streets. The day is hotter and the crowds are denser than yesterday. People push through the labyrinthine alleyways of the ancient city and jam up at various pinch points on her journey back. Olivia stops by a small canal in the sunshine, pulls out her phone, and calls the number that Nicole gave her for Vincente Torito. The line rings out, and a recorded voice comes on in Italian. She leaves a brief message, but with no details, and just her number. She already has him marked down as a hostile witness in her mind, although she admits to herself that there is only a weak case for that. She arrives back at the Cornish Enterprises office, and emerges from the lift. Nicole is not there, 
but the third desk is occupied by a man who she guesses is Ted Ingram, the finance guy. He is an earnest, sweet man, with an air of trustworthiness. Ted has kind, hazel eyes, blonde hair that is beautifully cut, and is wearing a linen suit and blue tie. They talk for ten minutes about their respective backgrounds, then get round to the previous lawyer who worked in the company. What was Roger Thorne like? she says. A great friend of mine, says Ted, looking at Olivia. Roger and I worked for Paddy together, on and off, for a number of years. We'd been here in Venice for the last three. Do you miss him? Of course, we used to go on holiday together with our other halves. We were all at Cloisters when the accident happened. I didn't know, she says, keeping the plate spinning. A tragedy, says Ted. He was the best skier in our group. I still don't understand how he fell. Were you near when it happened? I don't go on black runs. I'm not that good, he says. But Roger was very keen. We met up with these two Austrian chaps, and they were as good as Roger. It was them who suggested the black run. Who were they? she says. Carl something, one of them? I can't remember, says Ted. I tried to find them after the accident, but there was no sign. I didn't like them, though. They seemed very pushy. All they talked about was Roger going on the black run. Very odd. Why'd you say that? Something about them. Something dishonest. You know, as though there was some other agenda. At that moment, Nicole arrives in the office, and Ted shifts in his seat. Olivia can see the two of them are uneasy in the presence of a comparative stranger, but she needs to keep the momentum going and be party to some of the shared history of this group, so they all feel closer. Does Paddy have other offices? She says to them both. A small place in London, with one assistant, says Nicole. But he spends more time here now, since... The missing end of the sentence sits between the three of them. Olivia doesn't believe people offer partial information without a reason. Since what? She doesn't resist the prompted question. Ted is staring at her. Olivia waits while he and Nicole say a thousand unsaid words across the six feet between them. This is confidential, says Ted. Everything you tell me is confidential, replies Olivia. She looks at them both in turn, deliberately making firm eye contact to reinforce her message. There's a moment of silence. Then Ted says, His boy, Philip, was trying to get into art dealing and convince the old man to lend him capital. Nicole continues the story. Philip bought some pieces and put them into Chattick's auction house in London and sold them for a profit. But someone told Chattick's that the pieces had been stolen six weeks before from a collector in Amsterdam. What happened? says Olivia. Philip was cleared of any wrongdoing because he revealed his supply chain to the police and a couple of blokes were sent down for art theft, says Ted. Paddy lost his cash, though. The family don't talk about it now. 
Ted and Nicole smile at each other, then realise Olivia is looking and break their gaze. When she leaves work for the day, Olivia walks southeast over the Pont dell'Accademia into the Dorsodorno district and finds a cafe. White light bounces off the ocean, reflected by the stone pavements and buildings on the waterfront. She needs to think through some of the events that have happened and are nagging at her mind. She starts to write in a notebook. Firstly, what did the burglar want? Her gut feel is that he was looking for personal information. As if he had been looking for something about Cornish Enterprises, he would have tried to hack into the computer in Paddy's study. The stealing of personal data usually is motivated by blackmailers, in her experience. There could be something underhand about the art deal or Paddy's sponsorship of Malin, but she has no idea what. Next, Malin's robbery. The attack could have been just an opportunist thief targeting an old man. But in that case, why take paperwork and not his wallet? Malin was also obviously uncomfortable when asked about the papers. Possibly, the paperwork refers to something that he is actively trying to hide. Finally, the Roger Thorne accident. It may be entirely unconnected, but if Thorne was coaxed into skiing beyond his ability by the two Austrians, then maybe it wasn't an accident. But why kill Paddy's lawyer? People fall into three groups, she knows. The non-liars, the bad liars and the experienced liars. Slotting in the people she has met so far to these groups will have to wait until she has more information. The sun has started its long, slow curve into the western sea by the time Olivia makes her way back to Palazzo Mandola. A knock comes on her bedroom door at 6.30. It's Jess inviting her for drinks on the roof. The women ascend the narrow staircase to where the ingredients for Negroni and White Lady cocktails have been laid out, and they help themselves. "'How's your work going, Liv?' says Jessica as they sit down on a sofa that has been pushed up against the low wall that surrounds the sun deck. I met Ted today. What do you think? Seems honest, says Olivia. Did you know Roger Thorne much? Not really, a bit dull. Ted and him were at Closters when the accident happened, did you know? says Olivia. No, I didn't. Is Ted married? says Olivia. He talked about his other half being there, too. "'Honestly don't know. Who'd marry him, really?' says Jess. Olivia smiles at her friend's directness. "'I'll tell you who I would like to know about. Anna.' "'The sister-in-law,' says Jess. "'Way out of Joel's league, in my view. Used to be a model. How does she get on with Phil?' "'You noticed that, did you?' says Jess asking a question in response to a question. "'You think they're shagging?' "'Yes, I do,' says Jess. Then she adds, "'Poor girl!' The noise of others arriving percolates up the stairwell, and Paddy steps out into the sun, followed by Malin. After introductions and then general conversation driven largely by Paddy, as he is feeling some responsibility for ensuring that his family 
welcomes their guest to make up for the previous night's attack. Olivia goes to refresh her drink. Paddy and her make eye contact as she reaches the bar, and he breaks off from being glued to Malin's side to come over and talk to her. A great man, he says, as he arrives beside her. She makes affirmative noises. Did you manage to find out more about the stolen papers? Malin was slightly reticent to go into details, she says. Did you ask him? I didn't. But that makes two sets of missing papers, says Paddy. I was expecting him to bring some documents for me in his luggage, but unfortunately he seems to have forgotten them. What were they? The provenances for the painting I'm buying. Forgive me if I misunderstand, says Olivia. But without the provenance documents, the seller can't prove the painting is what they say it is, can they? She turns to face him directly. That's right. And what's the painting worth without the provenance? Half a million, maybe, says Paddy. The questions swirl in her head, and she asks the first one that comes up on the top of her mental Rolodex. You don't seem concerned, Mr Cornish, she says. I'll get the papers couriered from London. Why did you ask Malin to bring them? The papers are held in a London bank, and he was passing through on his way here, says Paddy. So it made sense for him to carry them as he was en route. She halts her flow. She knows that when a witness answers in this pattern, finding a reasonable response and explanation for every single question, that the evidence is fabricated, at least in part. Real life is imperfect, she knows. And when people answer a series of questions all truthfully, the answers won't all be aligned and complete. It is a mistake that part-time liars make, creating a fictional explanation that answers everything perfectly. It seems so obvious to Olivia that the stolen papers were the Providence documents, and she finds it hard to believe that Paddy would try to imply otherwise. He can't think that she is so innocent or inexperienced that she would believe the tale. She doesn't pursue the line of questioning further, as that won't get her anywhere near the truth, and it will annoy Paddy. She needs to be seen as on his side, so that he remains a source of information. Olivia drops down the steps to go to the bathroom inside the villa. On the way back, she can hear someone on a phone talking in the sitting room. As she gets closer, she realises the voice belongs to Anna Cornish, Joel's wife. Anna is obviously annoyed at something, and she can hear parts of the snatched conversation. I can't keep covering for you. You said you wouldn't do that. You're leaving me with no choice. Eventually, Anna ends the call and stomps back up the stairs to the roof. Olivia can't help wondering how many secrets this family is keeping from each other. <laughs>